So in that separateness, yeah, we could say, I feel what what it's like to have something opposed to love. I feel what it's like to have something other than love. Some people might even argue that that's why we incarnate into human existences in the first place. It's, it's like it's God incarnating as billions and billions of individual forms of, of consciousness of all kind, and then experiencing itself by having a contrast to itself, having the the the, the illusion of a contrast to itself. Maybe. Maybe. So you are you? Uh, do you believe in reincarnation? Yes, I do. Okay. What <laughs> got you there? Yeah, um, I had a past life regression that was not on purpose. It was kind of very uh, spontaneous, <laughs> and that had me completely convinced. Um, it was when I was 19 years old, I think. And um, I was at a Burning Man party of all things. And there's <laughs> this old man in a room and he was giving people oracle card readings. And at this point in my life, I was like very interested in spirituality. You know, I'd already had my first encounter with angels before, but it wasn't something that I was like maybe doing every day is like, this is going to be my path. This is like my thing. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'm interested in getting a reading from the guy with these like really cool homemade Oracle cards. Like, of course I'll do that. And I was struck because one of the first things that he said was, oh, you've um, had many past lives before where like either you go down this route where you are in like the archetype of the saint or something, I think was the words that he said, which basically was like, you're, you're devoted to spiritual practice or something like that. Or there's something that really pulls you off that track and there's all this suffering. And he said, for example, I see a past life where you were um, like in the early 1900s, like a Broadway type of like performer person. And yeah, you, um, you died of, of some kind of terrible, um, you know, thing that happened like during this lifetime. He was just very vague, just a couple of sentences. He's like, but this is not the place for past life readings. That's too deep. We're like in the middle of this loud, crazy environment. So I'm just going to tell you this. And then he, he like showed me the other cards. Well, like a day later, like when I finally, I had gotten home and I was like, I'm going to get like the first good night of sleep that I've gotten since this event that I'm at. Um, I had a spontaneous past life regression where I was in like the the first person sort of like I'm watching the movie but I'm simultaneously starring in the movie like vision thing as I'm falling asleep of being in this life I saw and felt what I looked like I saw myself dying in that time of actually a drug overdose um and the feeling of all of it was so real it was not like any dream you know like when you're there and you feel it it's like this is not this is not a dream. This is not like a normal psychic vision thing. This is an, an experience. This is a memory. I was there. This is very real. Um, and I was absolutely convinced when I came back from that, that, yep, past lives are real. And I was interested in learning more about my past lives from there. So I've had since then many other past life regressions and opportunities to even do past life readings for other people as well. So um, big believer in it. I mean, it's just so fascinating. What really stuck out to me there was you were saying how he was like, this is not the place for this, like this darkness. 
and I find the strong corollary. A strong corollary is like if you're at a music festival. I guess Burning Man's kind of a music festival. It's something probably completely different. Uh, but there's probably a lot of drug usage there, and so that's probably not the environment to invite in that energy. So I could certainly see how he would like maybe see that at some level and be like, uh, I should probably let this chick figure it out on her own. <laughs> I don't want to go into 100%. this one. percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so how did once you had that, let's say, memory or you remembered that memory of this past life, how did your life change from it? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. In that lifetime, one of the big lessons that I struggled with was a negative relationship where the relationship almost like swallowed up all my power. And did that, sorry to cut you off, but did that come from that memory you had? That spontaneous memory was like, did you see your whole life and then you remembered this lesson or like what, what happened? Good question. Yeah, actually, I saw snippets of the life of that life. So this has me really believing that there is, there is, was a, a higher force kind of organizing or curating what I needed to see most from that lifetime. Maybe it was the deeper intelligence in me. Maybe it was my angels and guides. Maybe it was something else. But I was shown like the exact scenes of that lifetime that I needed to see to get the relevant information about the lessons. So I saw myself um, in a relationship with a man that was involved with like drugs during this lifetime. It was heroin, actually. Um, and saw the way that I got addicted to it in that that past life. Um, saw just how abusive this this person was and how little he cared for me. He was actually the one, this is um, trigger warning, <laughs> he's the one that found my, my body. And I saw that scene um oh. as the like the last scene in that lifetime was like okay now i've died and i'm aware that i've died and i've floated out of my body and he's the one that that came in to this little tiny studio apartment with like these boards and the, in the walls that were like just creaky and that brought in all of the wintry air and it was just like this very you know time just, period it was it was definitely like early early 19 early early 1900s like it fe- okay. like some of the um the performances that I saw that I was doing because I was like this theater type of person, which is crazy because at, at the time I was I was like going to school for opera and had done musical theater. And then this guy gives me this reading and he just knows that no right way. away. So I was like, OK, there's something to that. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, but it was all very vaudeville looking, you know, so it reminded me like sort of like 1920s flappers, but a little earlier than that, because, yeah, there were just little elements that made me think I think it's a little bit earlier than this. Um, so yeah, I just saw the guy that came in, found that I had had passed away, and he kind of just didn't really seem all that concerned. Like he didn't have all that much emotion, no remorse, no no nothing around that. Um, mm. So the lesson, you know, kind of coming back around to that that I had coming out of it was like, okay, this changed me. Having this this past life um, regression changed me because first off, I feel like I've literally purged out the disempowerment that I held during that lifetime. Like I purged out the emotional and energetic substance of that in some way. And it gave me this brand new lens on my relationships. And I was not, I was in sort of like this on and off again, romantic relationship that was not at all healthy. 
had a few similarities to the the one from the past life, uh, uh, you know, emotionally, not that there was like drugs and it was that bad, but it made me feel like, wow, I need to love myself enough to not choose relationships that don't honor health and my highest good. So I think that it was very meant to be to have that particular past life regression. And it it was very beneficial, very, very healing. What happened with your study or practice in the theater after that? Did you lose interest or do you continue to do stuff with that? That is so interesting because it definitely changed. My relationship with all of that definitely changed. Like before, previously, you know, like in my teens, you know, because I was only 19 at this time, Mm -hmm. um, I was so into theater. Like, I just wanted that to be my life. Like, I wanted to be on the stage. There was just this voracious hunger to be in that life. And I felt a little differently. Like, it took a little bit of time as it just sort of like, like that feeling kind of waned. But then I realized I don't like musicals as much as I actually thought that I did. I enjoy <laughs> being in them. But I'm not even someone that likes necessarily watching them in the audience. Like, shouldn't I like them and be really passionate about them? Same with opera. I was like, there are some operas that I really love and that are really exciting. But do I love this so much that I would make all the sacrifices involved in making that your career? Maybe not. But I do love to sing and I do love art. And there's other things that I love to do. So it just took a different form where it was like, I don't want that sort of like old model of like, I want to audition and be in a show and, you know, the theater life. Instead, I want to just be independently creating art in a different way and using my voice in in ways that that do feel more genuine and that do speak to me. So yeah, that that's an interesting question because it did totally change. <laughs> So then it it sounds like that there's some sort of connection between this past life and then this current one in regards to the opera. So what what effects do you think that that past life may have had on your connection to dancing, performing, being in a play in this life? Yeah, in this life, I think it's as if there was like a part of me that was maybe just reaching back into that karmic thread, like just reaching back to discover or learn something that needed to be uncovered from that Mm. past life. So I was so drawn into that. And, you know, thinking about it right now, like I'm putting this together in my head as I'm saying it, but before I did theater, I always felt like the weird kid. I was like the bullied kid, like felt left out, felt rejected learned a lot of that judgment that I that I put on myself that a lot of that self that lack of self-love but when I was oh gosh how, how, how old was I the first time I was like in a in a theater type of thing I was maybe like 13 or something like that and all of a sudden people were being nice to me and they were like oh you were so good oh my gosh your voice is so pretty like oh my goodness i never knew you had that in you like wow wow and you know i was getting all this love and this validation so making a connection between like at that time i felt like oh my gosh i'm so drawn into this the big theme of that past life was there was a radical lack of self-love and self-empowerment such that I gave my power away to being in this very unhealthy situation that eventually got me dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
the lesson, there was like this lesson in, in that self-love stuff really wrapped up in all of it. And I think that I probably learned the self-love lesson a little bit deeper, having released what I released from the, the past life regression um, to the point that, yeah, it did. It changed just the way that I, I felt about it. it. It changed how drawn I was to to all of that. Like, I don't need that to validate me anymore. Um, but I still love art and I'm still passionate about it. And I just want to create it in a way that feel that does feel authentic and genuine to me. Yeah. It sounds like there's a connection there, right? How we were talking about like love being externalized and in the power of others versus creating that self-love within ourselves where you were attaching that love, if you will, or at least getting, you were at least getting external validation and like what you were doing and yeah. it was like filling, it was almost driving that thing that was going on inside of you. Exactly. That was my source of love for a while. Like I feel a deficit, a lack of love due to the imprint of of feeling rejection from others, you know, socially growing up and due to a lack of self-love. So this is my replacement. This is what I'm filling that void with. And yeah, absolutely. Wow. Totally right. Wow. And so then this leads me to something I'm always curious about. How do you know how do you know that this was your past life? How do you know that you weren't just remembering somebody else's past life? Like, how do you know that it was your soul that experienced this past life? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I, it takes me back to just the feeling of it. Um, so how I would compare or describe that is, like in this life, I do a lot of readings sometimes where I'm I'm reading into the energy of another person or I'm empathically kind of sensing their perspective. And there's such a difference between when you're looking at someone else's story, while you can have empathy and you can feel like, okay, yeah, I could put myself in your shoes. There's still maybe a degree of difference there. And I felt like this this was me. Like it just felt like I am plugged into a piece of myself. It felt so again like first person. Like this this is this is my experience. So I guess the that's the only thing I have to go on is just like the conviction and the the emotional validation being so incredibly undeniably strong. Yeah, that's an interesting way that you look at it because it's it's reminding me like if I I'm sure we've told multiple stories here that people could be listening to. I know you've told stories where I'm like, oh, I can relate to that because X, Y, Z. I've had that feeling before. But then there's a difference whenever there's this like deep knowing that exists. Like you look back on your day and you know that you ate what you ate for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> like you just know. There's nothing you could come on here, Sarah, and start yelling at me. You did not have eggs for breakfast. I know you didn't. And I'm sitting here like, uh, yeah, I, I, I did. I know I did. It's yes. not a matter of relation. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the feeling. Perfectly described. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you're and you're bringing up you're bringing up quite a bit about your like psychic abilities that you have and everything. And I know one thing that I read is that you had you were born with you said i was born with uh extrasensory abilities what does that mean yeah yeah so in my childhood i had um extrasensory abilities meaning that i would sense and experience things that were not always just of this physical reality um so 
One example is, well, I got two examples. <laughs> um, one is when I was falling asleep at night. And this one was when I was really, really young, like three and four years old, like early, earliest memories. Um, I would look up and watch the fireworks as I called them, you know, to myself. And I thought this was totally normal that everybody does this. But I would see these beautiful bursts of light that were exploding and moving and floating around um above my head, just in the in the dark, like on this on the ceiling, like in the air around me. Um I did sometimes see auras as well. So um, I grew up Catholic and, you know, when you're dragged to church every Sunday and there's nothing to do and you just feel so desperately bored, um, you know, you're just looking, people watching, like looking around sometimes. And I would be looking at another person and I'd see like this light outlined around them. And sometimes in the light, I would see objects connected to that person's um, field, you know, Although I wouldn't have had the word energy field in my my vernacular back then, but um, yeah, I'd see all these different things that were were around people, and that would be really interesting. Um, there was another experience actually that I don't remember, um, but that my mom told me about that she said, and that really freaked me out. That like was very weird. She says I was two, and she got me up um, in the morning, you know, waking up out of bed. And I was very bubbly, very, very, very happy. And I was telling her all about the experience that I had with Mother Mary and explained that she was sitting on the edge of my bed. I met Mother Mary. Da, 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 da. And she was like, no, you mean you had a dream about your Aunt Mary? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, we don't talk to her about religion. Like, she's two. Like, you don't really. I mean, they'd only gone to church with me like a few times at that point because like, a two-year-old, right? They're going to just like raise hell. So she's like, where could she be getting this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was very insistent in saying, no, not Aunt Mary, Mother Mary, like the blessed mother, Mother Mary, she was here. And I, I was with her and I was so happy. And my mom was trying to get what Mother Mary told me out of me, but I didn't really have much detail to fill in there. I was just saying, I'm really happy just expressing a lot of joy about it and you know yeah i've actually always had a, an affinity or a connection with with mother mary ever since then i will say too so even though i don't remember that um i love mother mary and i i feel close to her very deeply close to her is that the same person as mary magdalene Good question. Different person um, than Mary Magdalene. So people say like Mary Magdalene would have been like the wife of Jesus and Mother Mary would have been his his mom. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't mentally put together. They were both Marys. Yeah. Yeah. Both Whoa. Marys. Whoa. I don't know. That just tripped me out there for a second. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So you, I guess, don't remember anything of it. Have you, if you still have contact with her, have you asked her about it? Like, what was it you told me whenever I was two? I should do that. I've, you are amazing because I have literally never thought to ask that question my whole <laughs> life. I will do that tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah, I've never, I, I never, I never thought to ask. I always just kind of would, would think back on, you know, that my mom having told me about that. And just go like, yeah, yeah, she's definitely been with me. And like, that was like my little sort of like, you know what? I I believe that that probably happened. I trust that that happened. And 
she's been there with me from the beginning and that's that's all I need to take from that story. But I've never thought to ask that. That is a great question. Oh my gosh. Very well, curious about that. <laughs> I don't know how long, I don't know if uh, this is like presumptuous of me, but would you be, I don't know how long it takes to get into contacting her. Would you be open to doing it right now and asking? Sure. For no. me, to, I, as a channeler, just to kind of preface, um, when I'm doing psychic work, I'm not super woo-woo, like out-of-body experience, um, full-body channeling is what I call it. When when um, sometimes people's like their their voice changes and they're just channeling that being and then they're they're kind of checked out. I am a little bit more not that I don't think that that has a place because that probably has a place and it's probably totally fine, um, you know, to do that in certain contexts. But I think that it's a little bit more useful to be grounded. So for me, it doesn't take a lot of effort, doesn't take a lot of energy. I do it every day and I um, teach being very grounded as you're doing, you know, spiritual communication and spiritual channeling work, just because I think that you'll learn more from it if you can be there centered for the experience, receiving all of the knowledge that comes through. And especially if you're going to share it with other people, I think it comes through a little bit more um, relatable if the person is is grounded and they're still themselves. So with that preface in mind, no, it doesn't take too much energy or too much, um, you know, like preamble for me to get into it. And yeah, sure. Why not? Let's see. Let's see if, if anything comes through. I won't, I won't presume, but we'll see. So when I'm tuning in, I'll just describe what I'm doing mentally, kind of like narrating what I'm visual visualizing as we go. Um, when I'm tuning in, I usually have a sense of different guides or angels who usually are standing around me in different positions. So like when a particular guide might come in, they might always be standing on my left or on my right side or something like that. Um, and that's how I'll know, kind of know them. I might see the color connected to them in my mind's eye um, and feel a particular emotional quality connected to that guide. And that's how I can identify who it is. For Mother Mary, since she's been a guide for me for a very long time, for many years, when I feel her come in, I'm drawing her in from above. So I'm describing that that's what I'm doing right now. I'm pulling in this sort of like feeling, this presence and this energy from above. And whenever I'm around her, a couple of different things that I'm, I like to sense and I'm just checking in to see that I'm getting that right now. First off, I do get a sense of comfort and peace, like a relaxation that I can feel in my body. And I'm just allowing that to kind of come in, just letting that drop in and feeling really good with that. And then I'm also feeling the kind of color and energy around her. So I see a blue and a very warm kind of soft ivory colored light that is around her as well. Um, when she's around me, the next thing that I'm seeing, just describing everything that she's giving us here, is I feel her almost now standing right behind me and just a little bit above so that it's almost like she's this feels like an outline that's around me right now. Like when my hands move, her hands are cupping around my hands. Mm. Um, and it feels almost like a very protective embrace. It's a very like loving, warm embrace. You might even associate with like a child being held by their mother. So I'm tuning in with her right now. And I'm feeling a little line of energy going right down into my heart chakra center. And she's communicating, wow, okay, that the reason for the, the transmission um, that she had with me, you know, when I was young, when I was two, was to communicate you are safe and to give me permission to hold, oh my gosh, to hold on to my intuition during my childhood 
at the point when most children shed it off and put it away because it does not always feel safe to hold um, that, that type of awareness while in a human body and while processing not just your own feelings, but also the feelings of other people around you. Because you can be very wide open to other people's emotions and that can get overwhelming, certainly. So she says that the point of it was to instill the memory of heaven's joy in my heart. Memory of love. She's smiling because we've been talking about love today and that makes her joyful. So that I would remember that it's safe to be like this, to see, feel, know, to hold sensitivity while in human form. Which would help me later, she's saying, to wake up on time and to wake up a little bit um, younger in my spiritual gifts than, than a lot of people do. Um, because she said, I had a reason for getting on purpose right away. Like there was, there was a lot to do. Yeah. And I'm think- just saying thank you to her now mentally. Um, and then I'm just kind of feeling her her there, stepping back. So she'll be here with us if we have anything else we need to ask of her. Yeah. I mean, that was a thanks, lot. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. I mean, and I think I, I read that 15 was whenever you started channeling. So that is very young compared to the yeah. majority of people here. Uh, while she's still kind of in the vicinity, I'm always curious about this question, which I've never asked before on the channel. Jesus and then his wife mary magdalene did they ever have a kid okay the emotion coming through from her is so good it's so good sometimes i just get really overwhelmed because it feels so amazing to connect with her um and with the angels too but she's saying yes and many yes and many um she says that this was a huge part of their purpose at a soul level and their spiritual development and of their teachings. Um, This is me reflecting on this now. I think it's kind of crazy that we lost that particular detail out of Jesus's life, but there was a whole chapter, a whole part of his life where being a family man was, I mean, a huge part of what he was teaching, like to give the example of like the a family the fam being in the fold of a loving family was everything to his teachings he was teaching the consciousness of love and the consciousness of love is nourished at the family level so just like we were talking about earlier oh my gosh i feel all these connections going back to like earlier parts of our conversations but when we were talking about like little kids like they come into this world and they're so open to love they're so ready to just love very easily you know that's like our natural state of being when we come into this world kind of thing well the longer that a family can keep anchoring this safe sustained open state of love with one another in the relationships inside of a family, the stronger that that child is able to then grow up and take that consciousness, that energy of love, and live a very empathy-driven, loving life. So yes, he had children, um, is the short version of that uh, answer, and there is a purpose behind it. So, interesting. Is there a purpose that it's not something that's widely discussed or even the counter is widely projected that he never did 
Yeah. I'm tuning into Mother Mary just instinctually because I want her um, feedback on this as well as I'm like, you know, I've got my own suspicions, my own thoughts about this as well. So I'm like going to kind of mix the two or, or reconcile the two. Feeling in from her perspective, she's just in this perspective that is absolute constant compassion for humanity. And she says that there is so much um, storytelling, we could say, like, um, I don't want to call it lies, because she's not calling it lies. She's calling it almost just like distorted storytelling that um, is around Jesus's life, is around like the, the legend narrative? that is Jesus. What a, good word, yeah, a lot of narrative, yeah. Where in order to spread the story around, people had to draw from what they already knew. So we gave him qualities of the gods that we already knew in, you know, kind of the 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 legends and the archetypes that were in the 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 religions and the mythologies of the day. So there was a lot of that that got picked up into his narrative. Um, there were also, um, unfortunately, and this kind of takes me into my territory where I'm like, I suspect that this has a, has a part to play in all of it too. There was also a time of moving away from feminized spirituality. Um, and that was coming up, that was happening in conjunction with the rise of Christianity. And this is probably, you know, like what I'm sensing and feeling is this is like long after he was dead, you know, like long after he's dead, like this person has become like mythological legend status now. And there's just all these stories layered and packed around him. And depending on what culture you talk to, like they're going to have a different version or a different feel, a different idea around all of this. Um, and I'm even being reminded and I'm get getting like a little, little psychic tap on my shoulder around this. They're saying, remember, like the story of Isis and her child is almost parallel, like similar to like Mother Mary yeah. and and baby Jesus, you know, like yeah. we're, we're like picking up old things and we're like planting them onto this this story. Um, well, so back to the part where it's like we we get to a time where we're taking the femininity out of out of spirituality. Um, that was about control over. Um, I'm being pulled. This is so interesting because it's again, it's my speculation, but then I'm feeling all of this like psychic guidance kind of coming in too. So just know that the two are very combined with what I'm describing right now. Um, but I'm being pulled to the Roman Empire specifically. And the way in which, of course, they're they're like accredited to spreading Christianity once like the Roman Empire switched over from um, you know, like the 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 polygamists or not polygamists, <laughs> that's marriage. Um, the 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 polytheism that they had. Mm. to now okay christianity is the official religion of the roman empire so they're the ones that that like spread that around originally and their main goal was dominion control over power over you have to have authority in order to assert control or power over right so in order to do that you have to say there is one source from which you can find this this spiritual religious truth and you can't find it from other sources so we're going to take you out of nature because again we're looking at like a lot of cultures and societies that had very, again, like sort of like feminine um, led spiritual practices, which take you into nature. Um, let's go out of nature. God's not necessarily there. And we're going to put God inside of a, a, a brick and mortar you know, building. And God comes to you through the hierarchy of like, there's now a priest that's going to tell you 
what is spiritual truth. And so that's sort of like we're we're taking that like feminine out of it. And if we have to take the feminine out of it, um, then we have to get rid of all of the stuff that, you know, is maybe connected to Jesus's life that would take the authority away from these maybe like priests, right? So we have to take the gospel of Mary Magdalene out of the scriptures completely. We have to turn her into someone else um, in the narrative. So maybe she's not his wife and she's just this like person that he he saves or he helps, right? He's the the, the story was like, oh, she's like a sex worker that she, he ends up like helping or forgiving or saving or something like that, right? Mm. Um, so we're changing the story about who she is because you know we we can't have the power back in the hands of the goddess because that's what these people know in their pagan religion they're going to assign that to this religion that we're trying to use in the the psychological dominion and authority that we're asserting over these people we are romanizing the world and we can't do that if women are are in power because that's that's already what's that's going to take them right back to their roots so we're taking them out of their roots, and that's why we have to take the the, the family and the the wife out of it, um, and just make it about listen to your male authority, and that's that's what you get. Wow, yeah, there's a lot of parallels here because I have been diving into like the Gnostic texts. I'm not sure how familiar you are. Gospel of Mary Magdalene is one of them. Yeah, I, and another one's Gospel of Thomas, and I kind of wrote my first. I did write my first book around it and breaking it down. And a piece of that is pursuing God through the idea of wisdom or his manifestation of wisdom. And the crux of it is that there's a divine spark of God that lives within all of us. So a huge reason that I kind of allude to, I try to say that it's not on purpose, but it might be, you never know, is that they left out these books, this idea that you can find God through wisdom because then you don't need this priest to be this intermediary between you and God. And it's touching on exactly what you're saying right now. Yes. So, totally. I guess I also partially wanted to plug my book there. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> guys, go great. buy my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but speaking of books, and this is maybe more of a question for Mary. Did she like, cause all of this, like for me intuitionally is like, there's something here. Like, Yes. Has she guided anybody to writing any text, maybe stuff I can search online and pull up that someone has done a deep dive to plot out or write a book on the divine union between Jesus and uh, Mary Magdalene in regards to them actually having a family? Like, is there any text that exists that we could look up? I don't know. Let's tune in and see. Um, when I connect with mother mary now um i do feel her behind a lot of spiritual learning and spiritual guidance um you know she's actually pointing to one of the people that she worked through famously the most but this is not necessarily going to show us any teachings about like family and, and marriage and children and that kind of thing um she worked very very strongly through mother teresa um, she's showing us. And this is her particular specialty. Like we're looking at Mother Mary, like um, as a as an ascended master, a bodhisattva, or what have you, whatever you want to call her. Um, she is someone, she is a soul that has great compassion for the people that are suffering the most in the world. And this includes the poor, people that are experiencing extreme poverty, um, as well as those that are experiencing illness. 
like just great suffering around these these major major issues um and her heart usually goes out to children so she's always at the forefront helping to heal children um and then she's also saying protecting the inner child as well um she 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 likes to stay behind the scenes as well so while there's some people maybe that 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 might channel her and write something of her i'm not sure i haven't read anything myself that was like someone saying like oh i channeled mother mary and this is the book that i wrote having channeled mother mary i haven't i maybe it exists it probably does but i haven't read anything to that degree but she's showing us that she's very um humble behind the scenes and doesn't need credit um when it comes to her helping to guide information and knowledge through us and that is I think important to know, I think that that's significant because she's saying that, you know, it's not about sometimes like the, the big name, you know, the big sensationalized, like, like, oh, here's your exciting, like proof. Like you've got Mother Mary working a miracle through you. Da, 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 da. Um, of course, famously, there are like a lot of different like Christian or Catholic um, stories about people like even into like fairly recent like modern times where people have seen you know little children it's usually that'll see visions of mother mary and it makes this beautiful difference in their lives and you know so yeah i mean there there are moments that are big and splashy but she's saying for the most part it's not about like worshiping the hand that's pointing at god it's about getting the actual message and digesting that message of love or that message of healing in the way that's going to make the b- biggest difference in your life. So she's showing us that, you know, a lot of times, you know, these these ascended masters, like even Jesus, you know, um, Mary Magdalene as well, are are really kind of working a little bit more on the down low, a little more like behind the scenes, because they don't necessarily need people getting distracted by the fact that like, oh, it's you, <laughs> you know, and then mm-hmm. it's like that becomes the focal point instead of the message itself. And I think that that's one of the maybe current challenges that we can see if we're looking at the arc of Christianity that sometimes it's about um worshiping a person a personality that we're assigning to to Jesus instead of doing as he as he said perhaps um so i think that you know maybe whatever channeled work they're doing or whatever's connected to helping to spread Christ consciousness which is really I think another word for love consciousness. I think that it's more about giving very authentic, genuine, down to earth human human experiences that they don't need like credit for, kind of thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it it does. And I think it, an interesting point you have there is is I've always heard that like you know you you have to what is it? It's like you have to be uh, worshiping Jesus in order to get the God. But I think an interesting parallel that I've seen, right, because Jesus said something to the effect of, you know, like, I am the way. And I think what he was referencing was that Christ consciousness or that love consciousness, as you put it, which is the way. It's not that he, him, his, his mortal being is the way to get there. It's, it's the state of being. It's the consciousness. It's the, it's the uh, metaphysical understanding or the density of his awareness or consciousness that we need to get through in order to reach God. So I do think that that's a very important point. And maybe, because um, it's interesting, that answer wasn't exactly where I was expecting it to go. So <laughs> maybe maybe I need to reword the question in, you know, taking Mother Mary out of the picture or taking Jesus out of the picture, taking any of the Ascended Masters out of the picture. 
a better question would be is, are there any books or documents that exist that would give us a more enlightened picture or a deeper understanding of the relationship between Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and their kids? Yeah, I don't know. No idea. I actually haven't read the the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, but it's, it's on my list. Definitely something that I would want to check out. I put that on the list. Could you yeah. could you ask um, Mother Mary if she might know if there's someone who has written a document that would verify or verify? I hate to use the word verify. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. Would give this kind a deeper feels... understander. Mm. I could try, but to be honest, you know. I got the answer that I got the first time. So I don't know that I'd get anything different than that. I think mm. that each person is drawn to the the reading, like the, the literature, the knowledge that they need in the moment that's going to help them most on their spiritual path. So I'd say for you or I or for anyone listening, trust what you're drawn to. Trust what information you know, kind of stumbles onto your path, what what books or what literature, you know, kind of helps you and, you know, take it from there. I think honestly that there can be spiritual truth found in every religion. Um, you know, not to say that they're all perfect, right? That they all have there's there's a grain of truth in all religions. And in so many spiritual writings, there can be there can be truth that can nourish wherever you are on your path at that you know, at that particular time. But as to whether someone's written like a history where they talk about like, these are the names of Jesus's children and like, this is what their family life was like, and this is what they did. You know, really like, I don't, I don't know that I would, I would do that without reading, you know, all of that myself and knowing that, yeah, I agree with everything that's in there. I wouldn't mm -hmm. try to test and channel like, there's a title of a book somewhere out there that I've never heard of and never read that I'm going to try to bring through for you right now. I don't know that that, that feels like, for me at least, the best approach. Um, yeah, and I guess just, again, the reason why is because it's more about just sort of looking at the fact that it's like, yeah, you know, like Jesus is someone that had a family. I I trust that, you know. I trust that and I believe that that's that's very true. And knowing that yeah that that kind of makes him a little bit more human and it also shows us the value of family as well. You know that this is something that he was he was part of. Um so I think that there's yeah I think that there's value in it, you know, just in in having that knowledge there and maybe just having faith in it. We're not having faith in it if it doesn't resonate with you, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of getting this um feeling that it's and the way you're answering is that it's coming across as you can believe this if you want to believe it you don't have to believe it and if it's on your path in order to more deeply like find the physical text or find the physical thing then it, it will, will appear yeah, yeah it yeah. will appear in your reality somehow yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean again if if it had appeared on mine already I'd be sharing it but for whatever reason, it hasn't. And maybe that's just not, it hasn't been part of my path yet. So I teach what I know. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that I've read so far that makes me feel like, yeah, that's that's for sure the thing that you should read to know about this. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's an answer that 
it's an answer that I think deep, more deeply empowers the individual. I I personally want an answer just to have the you know the the physical understanding because I feel like that's the world that we're transitioning out of, which is like where's the where's the evidence you know yeah. But I think for I think at a bigger perspective, I can see how that answer is more empowering to the individual as opposed to a answer that an answer that might be more disempowering at a general level. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I've heard that there are a lot of people that, you know, channel, um, you know, like, like Mary Magdalene. I think that there are people that have written like very famous books about Mary Magdalene. Again, not, not that I've, I've like read them and explored them enough, but I tend to err on the side of caution and reason, you know, when it comes to suggesting channeled works to other people until I've completely digested the entire thing myself, because there is, there, there is some, there are some mixed messages out there. And I think that there are certain messages spiritually that can come across that are damaging. I don't know, is damaging even the right word in this context that can, that can be distorting, that can take you, that can take you down like a- Pull you further away from the light. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, all channeling, this is how I describe channeling. It all comes through your own consciousness. So it is not the same. Even people that are doing full body channeling, it is not the same as having that entity in front of you, you know, like talking to you. If someone's channeling a message from spirit, then it is flowing through the deepest part of our human consciousness it is flowing through um like the collective mind i think that that's the deepest part of our our consciousness as human beings is the collective mind and you could even call that the spirit world if you wanted to and then that channeled information or energy goes up into the subconscious mind that's where we contain all of our our biases our beliefs our memories our you know our our what have yous that are in our subconscious mind and the channeled information has to make its way through all of that to make it into your conscious mind so that you can channel it. And I mean, I don't think that there are any perfect channelers out there in the world, myself included, because you see what you see, you see what you can get. And when it's useful and when it's healing and when it creates a positive difference, wonderful, good. But always read it with that knowledge that it's like, this is still coming through a human, a human filter where we've got all of the, you know, like subconscious memories, biases, preferences, etc., like beliefs that that person's holding on to that could limit the amount of information that might be coming through um or even put a spin on things that might not be um again like spiritually helpful at the end like if we're looking at like the again the idea of some some of the channeled works that 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 are out there. So again I I just kind of like err on the side of caution and I think that it's good to kind of bring discernment into some of that stuff as well. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a good way to describe, especially when I think majority of <clears throat> channelers put that majority of good channelers, they always say, like, take what resonates with you and leave what doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've I've heard it like um, there was a very famous psychic that I heard speak one time that said, like, it's like 80, 20, like 80, like take 80 percent of this and, you know like the best the best psychic channeler might there might be 80% of it that 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 could resonate with you even if you're in 
a lot of agreement with that person or I feel very resonant to that message, but there might be 20% that for whatever reason, whether it's because of how you're interpreting it in your mind receiving the channeling or whether it's how the channeler is expressing it as it moves Mm -hmm. out through their subconscious mind into their conscious mind, it might be a little skewed. It might be a little distorted. It might look almost like a funhouse mirror where you look into it and you look like you're shaped totally differently. And so we can we can miss the mark a little bit because because we're human. And that's that's kind of like how our consciousness processes things at this this stage. Wow. So then and I and I can see how there's a you know, you're channeling it sounds like multiple different beings. I, I think I've seen on a couple of your things where it's like Archangel Michael or in this case Mother Mary. And I know you've talked about ascended masters and you've also talked about angels. And so I'm curious from your perspective is, you know, what are ascended masters and angels, ascended masters and angels? And then like, what are the differences between the two? Yeah, yeah. Um, so ascended masters, it, they're distinct from angels because they are human souls. We usually think of them as human souls. So someone who's lived a human life or usually multiple human lifetimes. And now they've reached this state of enlightenment. Um, and they're here watching over humanity as we work towards that enlightenment. They're guiding from that that mindset. So another, actually like a synonym would be like Bodhisattva, like if we're looking at like a Buddhist model for it. So the, that's the enlightened soul that chooses to stay until all souls can join them up in that that enlightened state. So that's, that's the ascended master, whereas angels aren't aren't humans um you know typically like you you think of an angel as a direct extension of god so they're um a direct extension or expression of the highest consciousness um so they're beings that have a very high level of consciousness they're always in a state that is absolutely pure 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 uncontested love so they don't have an ego um they have compassion for those that do but they don't have one themselves and it's it's a it's a consciousness of just pure love and that's that's the angels so then were they never angels were never incarnated no typically no um i've i've talked to many people that have had the feeling or the intuition or the memory of like i think i'm an incarnated angel i think that i've i, I was an angel once but now i'm on the human path and who am I to say they're wrong? I'm not, I'm, I'm curiously wide open. And I know that as human beings, it's kind of like not always possible for us to see the absolute entire fully zoomed out truth of these things. So, um, I think that there's a a big possibility around that, you know, like human beings that in a, in a past incarnation or a previous time might've been, might've been angelic. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's true, but, but yeah, the classically, typically, like we think of angels as like, they're, they're, they don't live human lifetimes. They are outside of time, outside of lifetimes. They are outside of karma, outside of all of it. And they are pure, pure consciousness of God, pure, pure extensions of God. Mm. So then I'm interested how this connects to astrology, because I know that you talk a lot on your channel. It's how I found you when you made your Lionsgate video. I was like, oh, this, this chick would be a cool person to sit down and talk to. And what do you know? Right. <laughs> yes. Um, so whenever it comes then to astrology and angels, like what what's going on here? Because if we're all these enlightened beings, then astrology shouldn't have any effect on us, right? But yet 
there's massive evidence that even just down to the moon that people get more aggressive whenever it's a full moon or more crime is committed whenever it's a full moon versus other times of the month and so like like what's going on here what's the connection here between astrology and then angels I have asked the angels the exact same question, and I'll describe the answer that I've received in the past regarding this. So, the planets, the stars, the movements of of all of these different like cosmic alignments don't necessarily have power over us. Like when people think of astro- astrology as like this system that um, describes, like okay, these these planets are like influencing me and they're determining my personality and that kind of thing like no i don't believe that i don't think that that's true i believe in absolute free will um and i have a very different view of astrology and i think that people that that also have had like astrology skepticism that hopefully this might like resonate with them because there are many people and rightfully so that are like a planet can't tell me what to do like heck no like no that does not no I'm choosing my own life. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Um, so, and I believe that. I believe that we all have free will. When we're looking very deeply into any anything, especially into some expression of nature, we're going to see incredible um, harmony. We're going to to see the incredible systems um, that that make up reality. And you could do this with anything. You could do this with math, with music. And see just this deep harmony, this deep like symmetry to the way that like the structure structure of the universe works, and you could just spend your whole life exploring that endlessly. Um, so when you're looking at something like like astrology, you're looking at like okay, there are planets that are like orbiting, you know, and we're from Earth from our vantage point on the Earth, we're seeing them in these different alignments, and for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, our ancestors from every single continent where human civilization has existed on the planet have been looking up at the stars. And with great wonderment, you know, it makes us feel small to look up at the stars. And so we look at the stars and like, it's like, it makes, it feels so big and it's so awe-inspiring that we're looking for God. We're looking for this sense of like the divine when we're looking at all of that. If you look deeply enough into, again, anything with the intent of finding God or really just the intent of finding meaning, finding truth, right? You're going to find it. And basically what you're going to find is that reality is a mirror reflecting you back to you. So if you are an incarnation of God, you are a piece of God living this individual human temporary lifetime, then when you're looking and gazing deep into the stars, if you look deeply enough with an open enough mind, you're going to see that there is a symmetry and a harmony here. And what I'm seeing is reflecting in the mirror. It's reflecting back consciousness. It's reflecting back human consciousness. So astrology isn't determining what you're going to feel and who you are. It's a mirror reflecting back the cycles and the rhythms of consciousness. Because consciousness is moving. It's not a static, solid thing. It's a thing that flows and moves and expands expands constantly um you know like like space i guess you know like it's it's always moving and if you look at it long enough you'll notice oh there's things that keep cycling around again and again you know like at a certain time of year we're going to see particular constellations in the sky because of our orientation to those things and so 
you know, when our ancestors, again, over a long, long period of time, continually started to recognize the patterns, there's a pattern recognition here, they go, oh, there's a structure to the universe. And I'm getting a sense of meaning from this, this, this structure of the universe. If, again, if you look deeply enough, you'll start to see that structure is also in me. What I'm projecting, when I'm seeing this structure in the universe, is it's like a movie projector projecting like something out onto the big screen on the sky. Like we're seeing what's there in the collective human heart and soul and all of the cycles and rhythms and archetypes and lessons that classically make their way into the human experience um, as we live our lives. So, um, yeah, I think that the way that astrology and all that, you know, kind of fits into spiritual growth, fits into when we're thinking about angels and that kind of thing. Um, it all fits together quite quite beautifully. First off, it all um, really reflects that we are in, in, in a state of union with everything. Everything is one. Everything is absolutely connected in a pure state of just this finessed um, connection. Like there, 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 are, there is connection and order beyond what we could possibly imagine right now. Science, math, religion, music, astrology, you know, whatever it is, has only barely scratched the surface, seen the tip of the iceberg with regards to how incredibly ordered the universe is. This is the end of part two. And I hope you guys are really enjoying Sarah Hall as much as I am, because I absolutely love this conversation with her. Up next in part three, Sarah Hall and I are going to talk a lot more about astrology and its role in free world, free will, free world, free will and determinism. We're going to also dive into how this touches on the divine spark or God's presence that lives within all of us. We get into a little bit of uh, spiritual talk, if you will, with Paramahansa Yogananda as well. So join us in the next episode, which is Odyssey number 90, Sarah Hall, part three, the connection between astrology, Gnosticism and self-realization.